Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Praise God. Last week, we started this new series, Rooted, talking about the importance of developing spiritual roots and having them grow deep. And I know that this is not like a new topic or anything like that, but I do think it's something that we probably don't talk enough about what it looks like to be rooted. We all, I think we all know, like, oh, yeah, I need to grow deep roots in the Lord. What does that mean? What does that look like? See, God has birthed on the inside of us a desire to make a difference in the world. And one of the ways that Jesus said that is that he said, you are to bear much fruit. John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, so it's kind of a conditional thing, if you remain in me and I and you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You could probably preach a whole sermon right there on that line. But then skipping down to verse 15, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Jesus Jesus has a vision for your life, and it's for you to bear much fruit. Say much fruit. And for you to bear fruit that lasts, that makes a lasting impact. And in order for us to bear any fruit, first we've got to grow deep roots, right? This is not, you know, like mind-blowing stuff here. This is just basic stuff that we know because of, you know, the natural order that God put into motion that reflects the spiritual realm. You know, if an apple tree needs to bear apples or produce apples, it's got to first grow deep roots. And it's got to go through some pruning also in order for it to get to that really good, delicious fruit. But in order for it to grow roots, it's got to be planted. We talked about that in in that verse right there in Psalms chapter one, verse one through three. It talks about they shall be trees be like trees planted, right? And so if we're going to bear fruit, we've got to grow roots. If we're going to grow roots, we've got to be planted. Another way to say planted is to say abide in him. Jesus said, remain in me. That's abiding in him. That's growing in your intimate relationship with Jesus. Before we go on any further today, let's just pray and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are in us, living in us. Your presence is here with us today. And we invite you to speak to us. And we want to be those who have ears to hear, God. We want to have ears to hear what you're saying. God, whether it comes out over this microphone and hits our physical ears first, or, Holy Spirit, if you just are speaking things directly to us that aren't even said on this mic, We want to hear what you're saying to us, receive it. And God, we want to be students of your word. We don't want to just hear things that can't be substantiated and backed up by your word. Holy Spirit, we know that you 
are the author of the word of God. And so we want to be students of your word and we want to hear your voice and we want to bear much fruit. In the name of Jesus, amen. In various seasons of life, we experience particular circumstances that push us into survival mode. We think to ourselves, man, if I can just get through this moment, if I can just get through this season, then everything's gonna be okay. Everything will be all right. Maybe it's a financial crisis. Maybe it's a death of a loved one. Maybe it's a relationship issue or problem. Maybe it's stress at work or school. Maybe it's, it's your, your health or something. But even this pandemic, for a, for a lot of people, the pandemic has been like, man, if I can just get through this, it'll be all right. It was, for me, it feels kind of like a few Saturdays ago. Jamie and I were driving back from the beach from our anniversary trip to the beach that we took. And the second day into the trip, I hurt my back. And so it was an amazing trip, just laying on the floor for half the time. And so if that weren't, you know, so bad, on the way home, just past Montgomery, coming back up through Alabama, the uh, solenoid circuit on our transmission decided it wanted to go out. And so the best decision for us in that moment, after we pulled off the, the side of the road, found us a shop, had it diagnosed, the best decision we figured we had by, on a Saturday, coming home, we got to be at church this next day, we got to limp mode that thing home. <laughs> we went into survival mode, and we went all the way up US 31 at 40 miles an hour, 14-hour drive to Murfreesboro. And on that day, <laughs> what'd you say, Jeff? Yeah, that's right. We got to see all those little towns in Alabama. And, uh, you know, all those little towns have Dairy Queens. <laughs> we weren't on keto that week. Anyway. And um, that day, on that day, we went into survival mode, and surviving is thriving. There are some seasons where if you just can survive, then you know what? You, I, I'm thriving also. In some seasons, surviving is thriving. You don't always want to live there. You don't always want to live in survival mode, but some days it's like that. And so, but here's the deal. My circumstances are not going to dictate to me whether or not I thrive. I'm going to thrive when he makes me to lie down in green pastures. I'm going to thrive when he leads me beside still waters. And I'm going to thrive when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to thrive when he prepares a feast for me in the presence of mine enemies. If you choose to embrace God's process and timeline for building your root system, it's possible to not only survive, but to thrive. Question is this, what are we talking about when we say thrive? Are we talking about, well, you have hard circumstances. How do you thrive in hard circumstances? We have to define what that means. When we're talking about thriving, 
It means that we're growing in wisdom. We're growing in character. We're growing in faith. We're growing in endurance and strength and so much more. And you know what? Growing isn't always comfortable. It's not always fun. It's not always exciting, but it is rewarding. The Apostle Paul is one of the perfect examples in the scripture. There's many great examples, but the Apostle Paul is a great example of someone who was thriving in every circumstance. And you know, he had a lot of one-liners we like to use and throw around. Sometimes we do that, a really good job of that out of context. One of those sometimes is Philippians chapter 4, 13. We all know it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and we know that. And that doesn't mean I can throw this football really far and get a touchdown. <laughs> Although we see that everywhere. We see it at ball games. We see Philippians 4, 13 everywhere. We see it at ball games and bookmarks and on tattoos. We, we know that verse very well. But what does verse 11 and 12 say? Verse 11 says this, not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Verse 12, everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul's saying this, I've had seasons in my life where I've had nothing. I've had seasons in my life where I've had everything, and I've developed the ability to thrive in all those seasons because I've learned to access the resource of my strength, which is actually Christ's strength. One of the ways I like to put this is, I can do all things through the power that I find in following Christ. When I'm following Jesus, there's supernatural power that's available to me to persevere. There's supernatural power available to me for answers, for wisdom, for resources, for peace. When we read the Psalms, David spoke about all kinds of circumstances, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Before there, was, uh, before there was Clint Eastwood, there was David, the psalmist. And he had all these circumstances. And he's wrestling with impossibilities. He's wrestling with fear. He's wrestling with disappointment. He's wrestling with betrayal. He's wrestling with anger. He's wrestling with grief. But every single time he's wrestling with that, he takes that that pain, that uncomfortableness, that pressure, and he lets it push him to the Lord. I think we said something very similar about Nehemiah a few weeks ago. The source of his strength was God, and he knew that. And every single time David accessed that strength, he, whether he might have been in a field, he might have been on a battlefield, <laughs> He might have been hiding in a cave. He might have been in a palace, but he was accessing God's strength, and that led to him thriving. And if we're going to navigate the good, the bad, and the ugly for ourselves like David did, then we've got to learn how to look to and rely on God in every single situation, and we've got to continue to look to and rely on God in the face of the distractions that the enemy is going to try to bring to us. 
Because that's the, what the, the enemy doesn't want you to grow deep roots. The enemy doesn't want you to persevere. The enemy doesn't want you to tap into the strength that God has for you in every single situation. And the enemy typically has, you know, some, some distraction strategies. One of them is this. He's trying to get us to wish that we were in someone else's process. Man, if I, if I was just in that part of the orchard, if I was just in that field, if I just had their circumstances, if I had their resources, and we're not staying in our lane, and we've got this mentality that the grass is greener on the other side, and that's one of the strategies that the enemy is trying to use to distract us, to get us from developing our roots right where we are. Another one of the strategies that the enemy tries to use is he wants us to resist the lessons that God wants to teach us while we're in certain seasons. And so this is like, this kind of fleshes out like this. Mm, This is uncomfortable. This must not be God. This isn't fun. This doesn't feel good, so this must not be God. Oh, that's right. I remember Jesus said, follow me, and I'll, everything will go perfect in your life. <laughs> no, I can do all things through the power I find in following Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's lessons that God wants us to learn. I'm not saying God sends calamity to you and he's trying to teach you a lesson through calamity. I'm saying no matter what circumstance you're sitting in, God wants to use it to mold you and shape you into the image of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying God's causing bad things to come onto you, but I'm, what I'm saying is no matter the situation, whether you're abased or whether you're abounding, you can thrive. The third thing that the enemy tries to do to get us distracted from developing deep roots is he wants us to rush through the process or he wants us to skip steps in the process. What does that look like? Man, I'm hungry. Get that that chicken off the grill. I'm ready to eat. Let's eat now. The problem is if you take chicken off the grill before it's cooked all the way through, you're going to be sick. Don't rush the process. Don't skip steps. Falling for these traps, falling for any of these traps will prevent us from thriving and put us in dangerous places, but avoiding these traps will enable us to grow regardless of the season or circumstance. I want to share with you today three keys for three keys for thriving in the process. First one is this, build the wall in front of your house. Build the wall in front of you. Just a few weeks ago, we spent a couple of Sundays talking about the book of Nehemiah and that story, Ezra Nehemiah. And one of the strategies, we we didn't point out this particular lesson, but one of the strategies that that God gave Nehemiah to the people that were rebuilding the wall of, of Jerusalem was to build the wall in front of your house. Build the wall that's right in front of you. Nehemiah chapter three, he lists very specific individuals. He lists specific groups to work on the wall, to work on exact parts of the wall. 
he assigned them very, you know, various parts to rebuild. And for the most part, people were assigned to work on the wall that was right in front of them, in front of their house. Step outside your door, go work on that part of the wall. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 28, he says, Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. Now, if you read through the chapter, you see that Nehemiah did give some direction to some other folks to build other parts of the wall, but it only makes sense to me that he told them that because they had already built the wall in front of their own house. They had either, they had already done their part, and then after they had built the wall in front of their own house, I I imagine they were probably then assigned, all right, now go to this part of the wall. But you're not going to be assigned to go to some other part of the wall and do some other assignment that God has for you if you haven't done what, he, what he's put right in front of you first. It's a simple strategy, yet it's very strategic. And sometimes we miss what's right in front of us because we're looking longingly at other people's portions of the wall. We're like, man, I just want to work on that. I want to build that area. And we get distracted working or we get distracted watching other people in their assignments, in their season of life, and we're like, well, the grass is greener on that side or that part of the wall. <laughs> we, see, we can't see that God is trying to use what's right in front of us to develop us and grow our roots right where we are. The need to, to be significant, the need to do something great, oftentimes makes us look at other areas that feel like, well, that's more exciting than what's right in front of me. Or I think my vision actually lines up more with what's going on over there than what's right in front of me. But the problem is is we're never going to thrive in the process unless we accept the place where God has planted us. Faithfulness and obedience should be our response to whatever it is that God is trying to emphasize in our lives. Sometimes we have a hard time of focusing what's in front of us because what's in front of us doesn't look like the promise. What's in front of us sometimes doesn't look like the dream. It doesn't look like the vision that we have in our hearts. And it takes faith and commitment to trust God who gave us both the dream and our current assignment to say, you know what, I don't understand, God, how you're going to get me from where I am right now to where you're, I think, where you want me to be, but... God, getting there is your, getting me there is your job. My job is to build the wall in front of me. Faithfulness to build the wall is not, faithfulness to build the wall in front of you is not giving up on your dream. It's trusting God with your dream. Listen, I totally believe in pursuing your dream. I totally believe in pursuing your passion, the vision that God put in your heart. But ultimately, you're not called to be passionate about a vision. You're called to be passionate about Jesus. I'll say that again. You're not called to be passionate about a dream. You're called to be passionate about the Jesus who gave you the dream. A lot of people that accomplished great things for God, they didn't do that just because they pursued their passion. They accomplished great things for God because they were faithful and obedient to do what God had placed right in front of them. 
And this is going to be a test in your life. It's going to be a test in your life. Are you more passionate about the dream or are you more passionate about Jesus? The problem with being more passionate about following your dreams than being more passionate about Jesus is that following your dreams only is going to trick you sometimes into avoiding certain steps or certain tasks that aren't fun, but those things are vital to the process of growing your roots and fulfilling your God-given destiny. And it's important to realize God can grow you in whatever setting that you're in, whatever season of circumstance that you might be facing. People pass on opportunities every single day. Eh, just not feeling it. Not passionate about that. It doesn't look fun to me. It doesn't look exciting to me. Hey, as you're pursuing the vision that God has put in your heart, there are going to be things that God has called you to do that might not be very exciting, but they're important to getting you to where God wants you to be. A lot of people, they, they uproot themselves and they stunt their growth because they just won't do what's in front of them. Do what's in front of you and do it well. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 31 says, Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. If you're driving trucks, then be the best truck driver in the world. If you're, you know, a pizza delivery person, then be the best pizza delivery person in the world. If you're a student, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a CEO, then be the best. Do it with everything in you. I should say that. Do it with everything in you. If you're serving in Seeds Kids, if you're serving on the production team or the prayer team or, or what, whatever, then do it with everything within you. Stay faithful and obedient to the Lord in whatever assignment that he gives you. Keep doing what you know to do until you know that the Lord has given you the next thing to do. The enemy is trying to get you off of your assignment. He wants to distract you so that you'll miss what God wants to teach you in that assignment. But God is intent on establishing your root system. And just because you don't feel passionate about what you're doing today or because it's harder than when you thought, or because it's not as exciting as you thought it would be, it's not as fun as what you think it should be, or that you might be somewhere else, you think, man, I, this is not where I'm supposed to be because this isn't fun, or this is not appealing to me, or whatever. Listen, that's not always how God works. But make no mistake, God wants to grow your roots exactly where you are. Wherever you are, wherever he's planted you, that's where he wants you to start developing your root system in him. So, number one key to thriving is build the wall in front of you. Second key is this. If you want to develop a strong root system in the Lord, then we are going to need to pay attention to and accept and then learn the God lessons that he has for us to learn. God wants to mature you. You know, I, I got this, I told you all about that little apple tree in the corner of my yard, that poor thing I thought that had died and it's actually not dead. There's some life growing on it. But that thing's not ready to bear fruit. 
That thing is years and years away from bearing much fruit that lasts. And you might think, man, what needs to happen? That, that tree needs to mature. And some of us, we need to mature. And we need to learn the lessons that God's wanting us to learn in the specific season that we're in. We need to recognize not only where God has planted us, but we also need to recognize what he's emphasizing to us in the season in which he's working. The Lord's the teacher. We're the students. He's the one that's designing our lesson plans. We, we don't thrive when we say to the God, God, you put me in math. I'm not good at math. I hate math. I want out of math. That's, you're not going to thrive if that's your attitude. You're going to thrive, though, when you say to the Lord, well, Lord, I guess I need to learn math. Otherwise, you wouldn't have put me here. That's when we start taking steps toward thriving. Psalm chapter 25, verse 4 says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Proverbs 1, 5 says, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Not only do people not thrive because they're constantly wanting to be somewhere else, but they also don't thrive because they're not learning the lessons that the Lord wants to teach them. They want God to grow their roots whenever they're engaged in something that they're passionate about, where they feel most alive. But again, God doesn't always work like that. We don't get to only take electives, you know, when we're growing our root system. So we got to be aware of what God's wanting to teach us and accept his lessons, knowing that he's the one that's deepening our roots so we can produce much fruit that lasts. There's been several seasons in my life where the Lord wanted to teach me humility. And I would go through a season and I would learn that lesson of humility and think to myself, whew, that's it. Learned that lesson. Praise God. I can put that humility notch on my belt now. Well, let's go to the next lesson, Lord. And you think you just cut a head off of a dragon and you feel like, Man, this feels good. I got humility. And then some time goes by and you realize, that dragon has another head. And you think, man, I'm learning this lesson again, God. Well, maybe I didn't learn it as much as I thought I had learned it in the first place. And God has more maturing to do in me than I thought. So you know what? I go, well, here I am again, Lord. I'm not quite as excited as I was at the end of that last season. So let's learn this again. And with every, every step, I'm not resisting that lesson. I'm saying, God, I don't want to learn this again, but you're doing it in me. So I'm going to say yes to it. And that kind of attitude is the attitude of like pouring fertilizer fertilizing the soil so your roots can grow deep so that you can bear much fruit. Last thing is this right here. Last key I want to share with you today on the thriving process so your roots can grow deep is don't rush it. Don't rush God's timing. 
Don't rush his process. And this is a really difficult for us because not rushing is countercultural. It's countercultural. We get a craving, boom, we go after it. We get an idea or a notion, bam, we're doing something about it right away. We get hungry, no problem, we'll just drive through. Or if we're at home, you know what? We'll just go to the freezer and this whole meal has been prepared. Pick this sucker, this whole meal up at Kroger, frozen, throw it in the microwave, boom, five minutes. We've got a whole meal prepared for. See, our culture is like we want it, now we get it. But the process that God lays out for us is, a, is, is the picture of not a microwave society, but it's the picture of agriculture. There's no speeding up the process in the picture of agriculture. There is tilling the soil, planting the seed, watering, cultivating, make sh- making sure it gets light, nutrients, pulling weeds, and just waiting. Rush, hurry, hurry, seed, grow. It's not going to do anything extra because I'm hollering at it or trying to rush it. We're go, 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 go society, and we're constantly going from one place to the next to the next, from one activity to the next, from one meeting to the next, all these kinds of things. We hardly ever stop. If I want information, then boom, I've got it at 5G speed. This is how I've accustomed my life. And for those of us that are accustomed to to this way, it can be like very tempting to try to want to speed up God's timeline and process of growing our roots. But when we get out of sync of God's timing and seasons, it actually can put us in danger and it can delay the process. Psalms chapter 27, 14, uh, the, the psalmist says, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. What does he say again? Wait for the Lord. Lord, hurry up, please. I'll tell you somebody who got in trouble because they didn't wait for the Lord. He had a promise from God. He's going to be the father of many nations. This guy named Abram. God changed his name to Abraham, father of many nations. But I ain't got no kids. How am I going to be the father of many nations? When I get no babies running around, oh, I know what, I got an idea. I'll help God rush the process. I'll take my wife's handmaiden and we'll get this thing going. Fortunately, I mean, for, thank goodness for Abraham, he checked all this out with, with Sarah before he decided to just do this. She's the one that, she was complicit, but so it was not good on either one of their parts. But didn't they have the promised child? Did he have a child? Yes, he had a child. Was it the promised child? No. And look what a mess that's put us in the world. Thanks, Abraham. He's still the father of our faith, praise God. I'm not going to bust his chops too much. Don't rush the process. You're going to get yourself in a dangerous place, and you're going to just delay things. Every assignment and lesson that God gives to you, he's adding something crucial to your root foundation. And if your, your root system doesn't mature, then when God adds the weight on the top of the soil, the calling and the vision, then your root system won't be able to sustain it. 
the only way to thrive and to protect the integrity of what God is doing is by saying, you know what? The growing of my roots is going to take as long as it takes. Lord, I submit to you. I surrender to your timing. Take all the time that you need. You need me to grow. Grow me. You need me to be where I'm supposed to be. Here I am. Grow me. Rushing our growth is a sign that we really don't fully understand the, the God's vision for our lives. We don't understand the magnitude of what God is calling us to do. Otherwise, we wouldn't try to rush the root growing process. God's plan can easily sometimes just go right over our heads. His definition of success is different than ours. So I don't want to rush and accomplish my limited version of the vision, like Abraham. I don't want to rush and accomplish my limited version of the vision. I want to submit to his timing. I want to recognize that even when things seem to be moving slowly, there's way more slowly than I think that they should be moving, or maybe it doesn't even seem that they're moving at all. The Lord is still answering my prayer. He's giving me what I need, preparing me for what he spoke to me. You know, this scripture, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, write the vision, make it plain. Verse 3 says this. You know, that's a really exciting scripture. Woo, yeah, let's write the vision. Let's make it plain so we can, those who can see it can run. Go for it. That's awesome. And then verse 3. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. Wah, wah, wah. What? I was ready. We're going. We got God. You gave us vision. And it hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. It sure feels like it's delaying. Not to God. Not to God. It's not delaying. Listen, God feels no pressure to rush. He feels no pressure to force his plan for our growth. Even when we, 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 we want things to speed up, God just remains calm. He remains steady. He remains collected. And so if God is not in a rush, ah, then I don't need to be in a rush. You know, nobody can sprint a marathon. Nobody can sprint a marathon. If you want to finish the race, then you need to set your pace. Nobody sprints a marathon. So pace yourself for the long haul. This is not a 100-meter dash. We're in this for a lifetime. Like I said, gardening is a slow process. And it's easy to get bored. It's easy to get frustrated wanting all these plants to, you know, these roots to grow and bear much fruit. And it's, it feels like it can take forever sometimes for something to grow and if you try to encourage a plant to grow by just watering it twice as much, there's a lot of plants you will kill. Ask my wife. <laughs> right, baby, we know how to kill plants in our house. <laughs> we either give it too much water or not enough. 
but plants can only take so much water. They can only take so much nutrients within a day's time. They can only grow so much in a day. And the same thing is true for us. If we try to rush our growth, we're only bringing destruction to ourselves. We gotta trust God and his timing. See, God will get you exactly to where he wants you to be when he wants you to be there and how he wants you to get there. And if you're not there now, it's because he doesn't want you to be there yet. But in our independent, you know, pull myself up by my bootstraps, make it happen kind of culture that we live in, the idea of letting God lead and waiting on his timing seems a little, you know, disorienting, but no one can make a God promise happen. Abraham couldn't do it, and you can't do it. You can't make God's promises happen. But the one who promises will fulfill his promise. Let's pray. God, growing our roots. Help us submit to the process. Help us not be distracted by the enemy. Help us not have this, the grass is greener mentality. Help us not be afraid of the tension and being uncomfortable because you're working in a, in a difficult moment. And help us not run away from that, but mature us. God, help us not to rush. Help us not to skip over things in the process that you are using to mature us, to grow our roots deep so that we can grow and bear much fruit that lasts. God, we want to be those people. We want to be people that bear much fruit, bear much fruit that lasts, that makes an impact for your kingdom, that makes an impact for eternity. And we stand before you today just saying, Lord, we submit. I just encourage you right there where you're sitting, just say your own, tell the Lord in your own words that you submit, that you surrender. I think the Holy Spirit's speaking to some people right now about places where you tried to rush or tried to skip. And maybe you did. You skipped right over some things and the Holy Spirit's highlighting things to you right now for you to go back. Uh, I skipped over that step. I need to go back and submit myself to this process. And I don't know what that looks like for you, Holy Spirit. You, you follow his leadership. He can help you navigate that. But the important thing for you to do in this moment is to say yes to him. Yeah. I see that. You've brought that to my attention. I repent. I thank you that you forgive me. I thank you that you're so kind. You're giving me a chance to go back and go through this process to mature me. For some of us, we've struggled with staying planted. And we've looked over here to the left. We looked to the right. Holy Spirit saying, uh, just sit tight. Wanted to grow you right there where you are right now. Same thing. Just say, yep, I submit. 
my gaze is on you, not just the dream, not just the vision. Jesus, I'm passionate about you, and I'll do whatever it is that you've called me to do. I'll build the wall in front of me if that's what you want me to do, Lord. I'll build the wall in front of me. For those of you here that were like me, and you thought you had a lesson learned, but you didn't quite learn it the way that you thought you did, just say, Lord, I want to learn the lesson. And as as serious and somber as this moment is, actually it's a moment of rejoicing and joy because we are saying, God, we thank you that you're not giving up on us, that you're wanting to mature us, that you're wanting to grow us up so that we can bear much fruit that lasts, so that we can make an impact with our lives, Lord God, the impact that you always saw and destined for us before the time even began. And we say yes to that. And we want to make your name famous, Jesus. We want to establish your kingdom here on earth. So this is a happy moment. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you did. We thank you that you were God made flesh and you came to this earth and you lived the life that we were always destined to live, but we couldn't because of our sin. And and then you took that sin upon you and you were made to become our sin and you died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sin so that we wouldn't have to bear that. We wouldn't forever be separated from God and his plan for our life. And you reconciled us to the Father through your death and through your resurrection. And you filled us with your Holy Spirit so that we can now go and make disciples in all the world, so that we can be full of your Holy Spirit, full of your dynamite power, Lord God, establishing your kingdom wherever we step foot, carrying the presence of God wherever we step foot on the earth. We rejoice in that. We thank you that this is our story. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.